How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, freedom, flow, agorism, anarchy, and more. We'll discuss how to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. This is Mike the Polymath coming from the Easy Peasy Workshop in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. Thanks for joining me. y'all welcome to episode 107 of the easy peasy podcast uh, i'm excited to to tell you i've got a i've got a friend on the show uh, a childerberg friend yet again you're probably number four or five that i've had on from childerberg so you're among you're among some good company here but <laughs> uh, i've got br br the anarch on easy peasy tonight and uh like I said, I met him at Childerberg. We we only chatted for a little bit uh, that that weekend, but uh, we've done some communicating ever since then. And he's just he's into a lot of cool shit. And uh, in some ways, I think I think he's like the reverse side of of the of the warrior in the garden dynamic, <laughs> uh, you know. So I thought I'd bring him on, and uh, I'll just I'll say, you know. T- Welcome to the show, BR. And uh, <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> well, thank you very much, man. I'm uh, do- doing all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I definitely, I, I do love that old adage: the warrior in the garden and all that. And mm-hmm. you know, better to be, uh, better to know your shit and uh, and be peaceful than to be a aggro fuckhead with no <laughs> no other skills to you. So uh, yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes I feel like I'm the gardener in the war. Right. <laughs> and maybe, you know, maybe you're the warrior in the garden. You know? <laughs> I try <But> to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I need to I need to step up my training, I guess. But yeah, um, I need to I need to spend some more time in the garden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I said, flip side. So, yeah, man. So I guess you you found yourself with some unexpected free time this weekend. It sounds like well, you got is your girlfriend out of town or something and. Oh, she's uh she's working doubles, so yeah, oh, we're chilling. Cool. <laughs> There's usually we'd be chipping away at some kind of project, but I've been going and going and going, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna I'm gonna kill myself this weekend. So sitting around and chatting and uh, catching up with friends is always good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's crazy. It's been like what six months since since uh, Childerberg, probably something like that. Uh, yeah, I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, I was I was already trying to uh, kind of map out the plan for for getting the. I'm going to be coming from uh, potentially. Well, I won't get into that too much, but I might be coming from a different state, so mm-hmm. <laughs> that's sure. going to be a, a whole puzzle to work out. But uh, yeah, no, hopefully it only grows, and hopefully we see uh, more and more friendly and knowledgeable faces out there in uh, in Texas. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and hopefully it's not too damn hot, but we we survived. <laughs> Last year oh, was it was hot, no, but you no, know, could always Yeah, 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 exactly. Keep the white clothes flowing. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you know, tell us about like what, you know, what BR the Anarch is all about, what your show's about uh for, you know, some of my listeners are going to know who you are, uh, but a lot of them won't. And uh, I think your show's pretty unique. So why don't you kind of we'll do an, we'll do the plug right off the bat here. <laughs> sure. Thanks. Um, so my primary means of communicating is both my Instagram, which is uh, br.the.anarch. I've been doing the Instagram has been like the main thing for like four years or so now and kind of been uh, you might detect from the accent. I'm a I'm a British anarchist, uh, been in the States for handful of years now mainly kind of gun rights centric but uh very much about finding solutions beyond that kind of stuff so intentional community and in general building community online and kind of spreading the good word via propaganda infographics uh, photography mm -hmm. of guys getting together and training and getting their bushcraft and small unit tactics stuff down because you know peaceful not harmless so that's kind of the core of the message. Um, love my preppers, love everyone doing something to kind of uh, become more autonomous, more free. And uh, yeah, so I've got a real grab bag kind of uh, page and also podcast, uh, the BR Hates Fed Show, and also produce the Art and War podcast, which some people might have heard of as well. Bit of a bigger audience for that, but uh yeah, kind of just into proliferating information on how people can, uh, you know, not just be uh, a victim of the state waiting to happen. <clears throat> yeah, man. And uh, well, I'm going to I have a few thoughts. But first of all, I like how you said uh, maybe your accent gives away that you're a British anarchist. I don't know if that's a specific. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a, the a dialect. Dialect. I, I don't know. I wish, yeah. I wish. Yeah. We, we don't really have. um any any anarchist settlements just a bunch of country boys who don't quite know what they 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 they, they, they might act anarchist but don't yeah, really yeah. know the label unfortunately. well maybe the british anarchist is like just bastardized a little bit uh, you know oh no no, no it's I, I i live with an american woman now and have done for years and yeah. i've also yeah so my accent is fucked You'll, you'd be correct right. in pointing that out but, <laughs> yeah uh, Anyways, I I was also thinking about how, um, you know, it's like your your show. I like it because you don't stick to any one specific topic. You know, you, you have themes by all means, but um, and same with your Instagram page. And it it seems like more and more lately you're you're really hammering on this need for self-sufficiency and like community. And um, you you kind of provide like some critical feedback to the gun community, which I can appreciate because there's a lot of kind of, I don't know, gear bros or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> my, my big feedback has always been kind of, I mean, a, I'm going to be kind of a corrupting influence as much as I can be because sure. <laughs> like sure. I, I've got a lot of friends who are kind of, you know, they, they might be like minded, but they hammer more on the gun side of things. And the politics is kind of secondary where I'm like, well, we need to have our principles for, you know, having a, a gun safe, a, a full gun safe to be, you know, worth a damn really. Mm -hmm. So, uh, 
yeah, I like to I like to critique and poke and prod and kind of you know nudge the thin blue line guys out of their comfort zone and into a little little bit of a critical thought where I can. So yeah, well, it's like it it's not just about guns, you know. It it can't be just about guns. Like well, yeah. it's it, it's not very holistic of a of a you know plan. No, right? it's it's like so. What do you have those for? Not that I need to know, or not that you need to have like a great reason. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm, this is America, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, right. and really that should be the uh, the attitude all over the world. But um, as we see with those Myanmar rebels with the printed FGC nines, you know, gun rights are important for everyone but beyond just gun rights like what are you protecting and that's kind of what i like to you know take a a prod at when we have the uh good old constitutionalists who are so close to getting it if they just took a you know a a firm shove to the back and and everyone kind of who can relate to constitutionalists i'm trying to drag them into at least some more free thinking a bit more of an anti-government kind of mindset and skepticism yeah and uh yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting space to be because uh, with my links to Art and War, who have a bit more of a legit audience, like I think they're around 100k on Instagram. So my, you know, my anarchist ass is sneaking in there and being like, hey, uh, consider this. Yeah. <laughs> so they're they're not anarchists, I guess, huh? I, I, I haven't I, really listened to them. Uh, I won't speak for them, but they are definitely... Nathan, at least I can speak for being definitely more um, a skeptic, not not so hard on the, uh, you know, flying the black flag or, or, or wearing the label hardcore, but they're definitely, definitely skeptics and definitely anti-war and definitely more decentralized power kind of kind of people. And yeah, uh, yeah. from that, you get to rub shoulders with a whole lot of people who think all over the place. But, you know, you can kind of there is an opportunity to share a perspective that is fortunately becoming more increasingly accepted in that kind of community because that's you know like if you can't defend your right to say something you know you're you're kind of already living in 1984 so yeah well and i i like how you kind of just straight up admit to sort of providing counter propaganda if you will or yeah you didn't, that, even, you didn't it, even call it counter propaganda it's just it's propaganda. It's, a di- it's propaganda it is i mean i i don't know off the top of my head the textbook definition but propaganda is essentially just sort of materials that are geared towards making someone think something right yeah, that, that's my opinion like propaganda yeah. can be fucking insidious trash that will mm-hmm. ruin lives and and you know okay genocides and all sorts of awful shit but mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that propaganda is inherently an evil thing or inherently like lies or anything like that. You know, I think truthful propaganda is the most liberating thing on this earth and what we mm. need more of. Yeah. Of well. course, <laughs> you know, the, the conflation of the word is a little difficult, but on my even on my Instagram page, I, I list, you know, news culture, propaganda. It, it is what it is. I'm trying to convince you of my worldview. And if, if I tell you that straight up, maybe you'll take me a bit more, you know, at my word rather than like, Hey, I think he's trying to hoodwink me. Right. It's funny. I'm looking for, I don't know where it went. There it is. I mean, this here, this here was propaganda. Oh, Thomas Thomas Paine, you know, absolutely. Common sense. It's like that was propaganda that directly kind of inspired a whole new way of viewing 
society that had never been tried. Right. And, uh, I'm no, I'm no huge fan of sort of what, what we've become since, but that original spark, that original idea is one of the most radical things that ever happened. Right. Yeah. And, and one of the biggest sort of legitimated, you know, um, steps towards decentralization that ever occurred. And I think it's just been ever since then more and more centralized and more and more, you know, it's, it's drifted from what it was intended as, but it's like, there's no, there's no, uh, inherent wrong with the idea of a unite United state states. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you get to the point where you're no longer free to set up your own autonomous state and define it as you wish and choose to be united or not, you know, it's like the forced United States is not what it was ever supposed no. to be. Well, we we have the, the Federalists to thank for that. You know, we, we went yeah. from like so quickly from kind of a, a people's revolution with not, not to sound like, you know, <laughs> like the uh, CCP or anything, but it, it was like, you know, a bunch of peasant farmers and people seeking religious freedom who were like, yeah, you know, fuck the crown. And Mm-hmm. so quickly that was co-opted by powerful people being like yeah fuck the crown for our, for our own ends and to make ourselves you know <laughs> privatized royalty effectively right right but uh yeah it, it was a grand experiment and there was there was merit to it but uh unfortunately it was co-opted as you know all kind of um experiments of that nature have been so far you know we haven't quite escaped the uh the government bug yet but I think people are starting to get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In some ways, I think they showed their hand, you know, these last, last few years. It's like, I, I, I know a lot of people are still just going along to get along. Um, but everybody knows that there's like a, a break in the armor, like a, a chink in the chain or whatever. And, uh, that something is kind of off and nothing can really be trusted at face value. Uh, then again, you know, I'm sure a certain percentage are just like, oh, blinder, yeah. you know, intentionally putting the blinders on. Like, I don't want to know. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, we, we've definitely seen it these last two years. People who mm-hmm. are just like, just just tell me what I need to do to be left alone. I will follow every fucking word. And those are the people that could damn us or if they can be convinced of like, you know, popular concepts that are better to their lifestyle, maybe they'll swing that way. You know, they're, they're just kind of this, this mass that, uh, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, and what, what's that old adage that it only took 3% of like active participants to, you know, uh, to win the American revolution, the right. whole 3% of thing. I'm not sure how was accurate it, that is. was it to win or to start? I always thought it was like 3%, like when it started were mm-hmm. in support. Or something of that nature, because um, at that point you almost have to make the other ninety-seven percent take a side. Yeah, I mean, you know? like, really, in in any kind of conflict, you have to think of how many people are active participants. And this this is always the thing with, uh, you know, when you get down to the nitty gritty of sitting around the campfire and talking about politics with people, is like from the the kind of LP spectrum all the way to gray and black agorist of like all right well how much how much do we need the masses to work with us 
and kind of, you know. Well, and I don't think any of us are advocating for an organized, you know, uh, rebellion of any kind. You know, it's a it's a disorganized rebellion of (laughs) of non-participation. Right. Yeah. That's that's what we're all advocating. Um, Yeah. A peaceful revolution of opting out and making a parallel solution. Parallel society. Yeah. Yeah. No. And um, I hope people don't ever misunderstand. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you always have to like qualify. You know, we we don't we don't buy all these guns so that we can wage some kind of war. We buy it so that we have a deterrent. Yeah, eventually. Right. That there's mutual potential destruction, if not, you know, assured in some ways. Right. If you're yeah. going to send people to subjugate eventually beyond the point that we're willing, you have to face the reality that there would be consequences, right? Yeah. My uh, my favorite terminology that I've heard has been um, genocide proofing. And it's, yeah. it's, like a, it's a pretty hardcore term to throw around, but it's it's something that's come up in the kind of in the more radical in the industry lately, the gun industry kind of um, T-Rex arms for one mentioned the you know they're trying to genocide proof america through proliferation of small unit tactics getting the everyman armed up to be like not just uh an mmp15 that's good for you know shooting paper at the range but like a a decent capable rifle and kind Mm -hmm. of having one in each home and that's just a fact of american life it's like you know these are not a disorganized um you know soft target like they're they're a hard target. They have no interest in, in waging some kind of conflict, but just don't attempt it. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's just a no go from, you know, the idea. Well, it's a funny kind of example, but it's what's allowed the Mormons to <laughs> to stay alive, actually. Um, yeah, if, no, if it wasn't more prepared than any of us. Well, if if it wasn't for the Second Amendment and the fact that those those you know because Mormonism started on the East Coast, right? And they they were basically persecuted. It's funny. I again something I like. I hope people don't misunderstand because I actually poke a lot of fun at the Mormons in my in my <laughs> book that I just wrote. You know, and um, and I'm writing in this context of like a future decentralized kind of like balkanized United States, a, a D United States. Right. Mm. And the Mormon nation is one of the top three most powerful nations in, in this world. And I think that's just fucking obvious. Um, <laughs> I guess it, you know, top four, if you include like the cartels of Mexico as a power, but like what we're, what, what I imagine would be government controlled coasts, Mormon controlled, Utah. you know, Utah <laughs> and, and outlying areas beyond, you know, they've got a strong grasp in Nevada, Colorado, you know, and I'm not saying this disparagingly, they, they established this as a stronghold and they did it. They waged war. I mean, the Mormon wars is like one of the least taught things in U.S. history. People don't know there were religious wars fought because people wanted to exterminate the Mormons back in the day. You know, the polygamists, they they tried to round them up. So it's just crazy, man. Like if those guys didn't keep 
keeping bare arms, they would have been eradicated. They they were genocide proof. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, they had some unpopular ideas, and to this day, they have some unpopular ideas, and right. they and they have defended those unpopular ideas right. in the most American way possible. Right. And, like, good on them, you know? Yeah. And they, yeah, yeah. And they, they, they have a certain strength as a community. Uh, they have their own sort of systems of social support, but it's, like anything else, too corrupt because of its centralized power structure. So, you know, it's not a shiny ex- you know, example, but it is an example of a community that defended itself against a larger entity, right? Yeah. And it's funny, um <laughs> I was just reading about uh, a European example of a successful uh intentional community right in the center of Copenhagen in Denmark. You ever heard of this? Mm-mm. So it's called uh Freetown Christiana or Christi Christi christiania something like that um and it's a i because i I was curious about this because i'm writing currently writing a post about intentional communities because you know we just had the election and everyone's like oh well if we don't vote you know how do we what's what's your suggestion how do we do anything like do we just do nothing it's like absolutely not like you should be you should be trying to build something as we as we said like some kind of parallel society kind of i always explain it as you know, none of us preppers think this thing is going to last a long time. Like this current um, messed up bank controlled state of, what is it? 350 odd million people. Like if this thing goes to shit, if the dollar loses complete value, if power grids go out, whatever, it's going to be just a shit show. So, you know, in, in your little suburban communities where no one knows each other and you calling the cops on each other for noise complaints and all of that, like that, that's going to go to hell really quickly when they figure out you have shelves and shelves of canned goods and they didn't think to do any prepping. So intentional communities is kind of my solution and what a lot of people have been talking about to build kind of life rafts from whatever, whatever the fuck happens with our current system. If you already set yourself up for some level of, you know, sustainment and uh something that can outlast our current dependent centralized system you you're gonna stand a way better chance so um this place freetown christiana they did it right in the middle of a a big city and took over a military base to do it no shit wow a bunch a bunch of hippies in the 70s so 1971 um how'd they i mean was it like a decommission base that they yeah it, Okay. It was abandoned, and it's right in the middle of the city. But they still kind of they squatted it. You know, it was they a, occupied it. They didn't, yeah, yeah, didn't pay for it. Nope. They they did eventually. I think they they figured out some way to like pay for it uh, through a lease. But it was not for sale, and <laughs> it was it was not to be you know a, a community. But mm. they they took it, and uh, it was a place founded on kind of creative expression and kind of all the good hippie stuff. It's almost a, a parallel with um, like the the what do you call them? The, the slabs where they do in that where burning man happens is out oh, at yeah, like yeah, a yeah. big air force base that slab is, city. You know, is it slab city? Yeah. 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 It's, it was very much like a autonomous anarchist um, settlement. And so they, uh, they took it in 71 and it's, I think the only place in Denmark where you can not legally, but you can get 
weed and smoke it publicly and stuff. And for the most part, it's left alone. They have what they call the green light district. And uh, they do get raided by cops every now and then. But the city has been allowed to, like, last. They There's signs as you leave this town that say uh, you are now entering the EU. Like, mm-hmm. they, they fully consider themselves separate. And uh, l- little places like this, you know, a lot of people, they instantly go like, oh, you're going to get Waco'd, you know. And it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, it really depends on kind of intention and kind of how you go about it, you know. Well, and it depends a lot on, I hate to say it, but public perception. Yeah. Right? I mean, the reason Waco was so easily kind of swept under the rug, so to speak, was everybody was like, oh, they're weirdos. They're cult. It was a cult. Like, you know, in the public mind, they were not quite, uh, you know, it, it was hard for people to sympathize with them because they seemed like fundamental, you know, fundamentalists or something. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of weird thing, like, oh, they're weird. Like, but if you're just in the middle of the city and you're still, it's not like you put a wall up, but you're still a part of the community. Yeah, they just have different rules. It's like it's no. it's a it's a neighborhood with different rules. Right. And uh, they somehow over what, 50-odd years managed to gain, you know, the respect to be left alone, reasonably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that's right in the middle of a capital city in Europe. So, you know, when, when we're talking about more rural setups, like what Childeberg kind of has in mind and, mm-hmm. and what a lot of people are trying to do out here, I mean, you can kind of see the potential. Have you heard of Skatetopia? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of a similar vibe too, man. Like, I, I don't know the whole story, but I almost think it started with like the permission of the landowner and it's become this big thing. And the landowner might've died or passed away or just doesn't give a shit, but like <laughs> it's, it's grown and grown into this thing. And, uh, the cops kind of stay away. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it's, it's contained. They're off doing their own thing. It's hot. The, the mm-hmm. big thing, uh, and comment on this that I've always taken away is from, uh, pat watson of uncensored tactical saying like you you really have to consider you know one is it worth enforcing this stuff and two can they get the resources out to you to enforce it like is it yeah. you know I, are you what like five hours away from the nearest swat team and like not hurting anyone like right right, like, in, right unless you really want to make an example of someone which post you know 90s is kind of a slippery slope because they mm-hmm. know that it's going to get a shit ton of sympathy uh, if you know, from from some kind of anti-government group, whether it's left or right, so you know, it's interesting, man. I I I would love to get something Childerberg esque going in my area, and there's a patch of woods where you could pick a campsite, man, and they're big fucking campsites. You could get three or four of them in a row, and they're pretty uh, rugged. You know, you. You'd have to kind of shuttle people in because parking would be the you know major issue. But um, with a little bit of logistics, you could set up a party in the in the woods for three nights, and chances are the rangers wouldn't even notice. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they wouldn't even notice. And it's so it's almost like are we are we trying to are we trying to just meet and network and have a good time? and not ruffle any feathers. If that's the case, we can do some cool, cool shit. You know, like if we're not trying to get in trouble, 
<laughs> right? Which is kind of the Childerberg uh, experiment, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, do what we do, not be rude or disrespectful or, you know, up in anybody's face. Let's just do all set, up, set up our village and fucking hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, for anyone that's been there, I mean, I think anyone who has seen the experiment in person, especially this last year, um, it, it's it's a pop up anarchist village in Texas, mm-hmm. and it you know it's from people from all over the country. And one weekend it's not there, then it's there, and then it's gone again, and the place is spotless, right? And you know, like imagine that, but with some permanence, where these people are neighbors and they, you know you're able to do communal things that we're all interested in doing, like, you know, uh, food security and community defense and self-policing and group mm-hmm. homeschooling and, you know, any, any kind of little agorist side hustles and mutual aid The you know, there's so much potential. Yeah. I think the festival is the, is the stepping stone to developing these connections and these, yeah. these, you know, networks, especially in like a regional kind of way. Like I will travel to Childerberg as long as Childerberg is worth my time more than, you know, if I had to choose, you know, something closer to home, because if it's closer to home, I stand to gain in a different kind of way. Uh, but then again, it's great to have allies all over the fucking place. You know? Yeah. I mean, already, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced it with your kind of, you have a very kind of nomad vibe to you, the way you have contacts all over the place. And it's, it's been really cool to kind of grow that myself where I'm like, Oh, I'm traveling to this state for whatever reason. And I'm like, Oh, I know someone there, mm-hmm. you know, from doing this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, it, imagine that. But again, with the permanence where you're like, Oh, they have a intentional community out here. I'll, you know, maybe I'll, I'll message them and ask if I can drop by and see if I can trade any kind of information and knowledge. And, you know, maybe, you know, you, you're able to learn a, a ton from each other and kind of figure out a way to make this again, that parallel society kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's kind of a point of this, of this show to, you know, when I get the chance kind of highlight these festivals and these kind of, you know, examples of different, different means of making money, different means of establishing community. Uh, I have yet to like do a, you know, uh, a highlight of this particular intentional community, but I probably ought to, you know, it'd be cool to go visit. Like I know three or four off the top of my head. I won't list them, but um, that I could easily go chat with people and they would be happy to do it. But it's, it's great to just see different models and, you know, kind of, I think we're all trying to solve this, this similar problem, but it's never going to look the exact same in two different places. Like, and, and nor should it. Nor should it. Yeah. And it, yeah. That's that's the really interesting thing is that this is not just some kind of like anarchist pipe dream. Like there are people with like radically different politics all over the spectrum who are starting to kind of realize that whether they call it decentralization or not, they realize being plugged into this current system is not doing anything for them. It's, mm-hmm. you know, more or less negative at every junction. So you've got people like following kind of the uh, the BLM protests and stuff i think it's in georgia a town called freedom you ever hear, hear of this Mm-mm. so uh i i think like 16 17 black families or something got together and they decided to purchase some land to set up 
again, like some kind of intentional community that is uh, kind of a safe haven from over-policing and all of that kind of thing. So uh, instead of just being stacked on top of each other and, you know, like shitty neighborhoods, they're, they're, they're being like, nope, we are putting a stop to this. We are doing something with intention and kind of determining our own destiny, which is what a lot of people are doing all over the place. You've got the same thing with uh, homeschoolers. A lot of people who are really sick to death of all of the, you know, kind of over-institutionalizing going on in schools and the, the straight-up propaganda. And they're being like, no, we want to set up with our own families and we want to get our kids away from the cities out into the countryside and give them a more, you know, more value in their childhood and do that with like-minded people. So you're starting to see people shift away from, uh, you know, urban living into return to the countryside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <clears throat> I think there's a lot of examples like in uh, in Hollywood and shit where they want to paint that kind of image of the of the weird family that lives out in the woods or whatever, yep. right? I, it's like that movie Captain Fantastic. I think it's a cool movie in some ways, but it's also like painting this image that anybody that's trying to do that is going to ruin their their kids basically yeah yeah, yeah. They're, they're, and, hit, they're religious hicks who are gonna mm-hmm. like brainwash them out in the countryside outside of <laughs> the the view of you know people who know better for them fucking you know waco again right yep. like same thing and um it's it's just not necessarily that way like i think the best way you could be to you know raise a family and to be in community is sort of the village model right like yeah. you know at most maybe a couple hundred people um i think that's like the natural way to be and how to do that you know it's almost like i always see patterns and i i think in terms of patterns and if you look at like an aerial uh view of of suburbia it almost it's almost inspiring in some ways because it's very efficient use of space, all the cul-de-sacs and the way things are laid out. Um, but I was having a little like image in my head earlier about this idea of like an organic network, right? A natural anarchist village. Um, mm-hmm. When you go to these festivals, you kind of see this pattern emerge, uh, especially the bigger the festival, the more people as they pack in and set up their tents, it, it, emerges as like a similar pattern as the suburbs uh but it's more freeform and i'd almost describe it as like a a borderline like snowflake effect right and it's that it's that initial molecule of h2o that freezes and bonds to the next molecule to the next molecule to the next molecule and creates this dynamic pattern uh this fractal pattern right that's what i'm talking about and um Man, I'm getting pretty hippie with you. I smoked a little, no. you know. Hey, 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 that's, that's what we like. <laughs> but that's how I imagine these kind of autonomous communities springing up are, you know, some initiator, some initial molecule of a person buys the property or buys the first property in an area and people start moving in and subdividing and and establishing homesteads and but, you know, like I said, the festival is almost like a microcosm of that greater goal of a true physical 
place. Yeah, it, it plants the seed. It shows to to many of us who might be skeptics or might think this is a pipe dream that's you know decades and decades and decades, maybe not even in our lifetimes away from being possible. And then you just see it happen with a bunch of people rocking up with whatever they might happen to have. You know, mm-hmm. whole market crops up. People are providing food. You know, there's there's social areas. There's quiet areas. People are just respectful of each other and know each other's boundaries and work out from there. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's it's inspiring because you think, you know, like if this was done with even ten percent more intention rather than just like, hey, where can I back this up? Oh, over here, friend. You know that that'll be all right. Like just sitting down and uh, something I talked about with um, with the Childerberg founder was uh, he was talking about, I think, Quakers and how they decide on uh, kind of fund- fundraising and getting work done in their communities. And it's very much kind of unanimous consent. So mm-hmm. if they're raising money to, I don't know, put AC into their church or whatever, they would all kind of get together and make sure everyone's on board and that they've got, you know, enough people who are willing to put in the labor, the money, all the rest of it. And if one person was like, nah, we shouldn't waste money on that. You know, I don't think it's, it's that uh, warm in here. Everyone be like, all right, well, you know, we will wait until you come around if we can convince you, but it's, it's not happening until you you're on board with this. Cause you were part of the part of the group. And you know, it might, it might be, less efficient than kind of 51% wins a day but mm-hmm. end of the day if everyone's giving the okay to everything that's happening in the community like that's a much happier place with a lot more trust i would i would almost venture to say that it's probably not less efficient in a lot of ways um it's yeah at least not in the long term <laughs> like it depends on your your uh, time preference right yeah 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 it's like if you want if you want to make the most people happy the quickest, you have a democracy. If you want to make everybody happy over the longest, unanimous consent, yep. right? Voluntarism would be another way of saying that, right? So I'm all about it. It's it's kind of funny. Uh, a lot of folks would be shocked maybe to hear that this crazy hippie anarchist festival is organized by a Quaker. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's yeah. uh it's fascinating because a, a lot of people I, I get questions all the time like you know, I'm a Christian but I'm starting to kind of get into these ideas of not me personally but people coming to me. Um <clears throat> I'm a Christian and I'm starting to come around to these ideals of anarchism. Are they compatible? I'm like, I mean, absolutely. If you're more if, than more yeah. than compatible, there yeah. there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And uh, so it, it's interesting, just, you know, people from all different backgrounds, all sorts of different places, their morals come from, can kind of come around to these ideals and say, like, yeah, these kind of match up regardless of where you come from, what cultural mm-hmm. background. So, and and you saw that on, on display at Jilderberg. Like, I don't, I've never heard of, like, a real issue. Yeah. No, no. A little bit all... of noise, maybe, but that's as crazy as it gets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's more than peaceful. It's yeah. it's harmonious, even. Um, yeah, I guess I'd like to maybe back it up. Yeah. Because for those of you that, you know, the listeners that don't know BR, I'm sure they're kind of curious, like, how a guy in the UK ends up living in the States and having all these ideas. Uh, 
if you could give sort of the short and sweet version, that'd be cool. The, the abridged uh, radicalization. Yeah, I mean, story. take you know, take all the time. <laughs> I'm in no rush. I don't mean to, you know, no, no, take no, no, all no. the time you want. But yeah. Well, essentially, um, you know, for any of your listeners who have heard of kind of British gun laws, you'll know that uh, it's not so great over there. Um, mm-hmm. For one, we can't have handguns. And for two, you need uh, a firearms license. So for that, uh, you need to have a note from your doctor saying that you are of sound mind, which is pretty intrusive for one. And then you need to have a firearms officer come into your home, interview you, see where your safe is, make sure it's bolted to an interior wall, make sure he doesn't think you're crazy and that you've got, you know, whichever weapons you've requested to have by caliber, uh, if you have a purpose for him. And then, if it pleases the crown, you may then purchase them. Um, and that was kind of my first introduction to any kind of intrusion from government because I grew up a country boy. I was out, you know, I'm not, I'm not some, some London kid. I, I grew up, uh, out in farmer's fields and, and woodland and stuff. So I didn't really have much of a issue with government. I grew up in a military, in a military family. So I was just like, yep, it is what it is. You know, the war is great, etc. You almost just, it's the world you live in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, I just, who I would just took it question for, it. Who would yeah, question I took it for granted. And yeah. then, um, but I know it's, it, it's a weird thing to kind of have to talk to a police officer who like have a stranger in your house interrogating you when you're like, cause when I first got my firearms license, I must've been like maybe 10. Wow. Okay. So they'll give them to a juvenile. No, no, they, that, yeah, yeah. They will for like hunting and stuff like that and pest control. But, um, yeah, it just struck me as like really wrong because the guy was kind of a creep. I was like, all right, this is, this is just a strange situation. Right. But, uh, I don't know that kind of set off the inkling that that was a bit much. And, uh, I'd also done some, I'd traveled to the U S and done some shooting over here and knew it was very different. And, uh, yeah, that kind of set the spark of like, well, got that, got that little taste of sweet, sweet freedom. Yeah. Yeah. My, <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this limey was like, oh, that's a, that's a very different flavor of living. Hmm. And, uh, so yeah, it, it gradually wore away at me and it kind of inspired other questions. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not hurting anyone. I have no intention of hurting anyone. Um, you know, why am I being treated like a criminal before I've, you know, kind of, pre-wrong think and all the rest of it and yeah it's is slowly built up and built until uh went through that libertarian to black flag stage and mm-hmm. uh it kind of came to an end i guess when i i figured i would go into the british army because uh if you want to play with guns in england you're kind of a lunatic so i was like okay well i guess i'll just legitimize my interest by working with them every day you know, whatever. Right. right. And uh, so I decided to become a British army officer. And uh, so I was going through the training, but I was also following um, some very radical American anarchist pages at the time on Instagram. And as I was going through of it, I, my opinion kind of got to a point of no return where I was like, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't, can't, can't sign myself. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you were, sense. you were that close. Pretty close, yeah. I uh, yeah. one day I just I just packed up my shit, left uh, the <laughs> left the training college, and uh, started working night shift, saving up to move to the states. Wow, wow, too cool, <laughs> too fucking cool, man. And you're a pretty young guy. How how old are you? 
Uh, that I keep close to my chest, but do you uh, really? Okay, I'm just yeah. I mean, I'm no, curious, no, no, no. but I I honestly couldn't say. I mean, I figured mid, that's what I like <laughs> mid mid twenties to the I don't know thirties. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> clearly, like you got your shit together because you made it to the states and now you're here. Are you? I'm, I'm a determined motherfucking individual. <laughs> Apparently, like, man, that's cool. That's cool. Um, are you a full blown citizen at this point? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, so. cool. Thing, things are uh, nice and clean, and this is permanent. So, hell yeah! Well, glad you made it to what's at least supposed to be the the land of the free, right? Well, that that's the thing. A lot of people are like, you know, if if you think it's fucked here as well, why come? It's like, well, it's it's less it, fucked in some ways, but it, it's a younger country. The culture yeah. is a bit more fertile, and then uh, you know this this country, you can still find the frontier. Like, that's totally true. Yeah. People, a lot of a lot of sheltered people really don't know that, but you can still find the frontier in the mm-hmm. in the states, and it's not like, you know, it, it, it's not what it once was, but there's still a lot left. So mm-hmm. there is a chance to get away from uh, that feeling of a, a CCTV camera on every corner, and you know, yeah, they're, yeah. they're in my thoughts, kind of <laughs> paranoia, right? So yeah, well, it was just recently the fifth of November, and fucking V is one of my all time favorite movies, <laughs> man, like. I know that's an exaggerated kind of image of British surveillance state, you know, culture, but it's not that much of an exaggeration. No, I, I mean, you, you can be prosecuted for saying things online. It's it's pretty, pretty Orwellian. And honestly, yeah. you know, just like anywhere, I mean, the same thing can be said of the states. They can they can make up any crime and prosecute you for it, you know, if they need to. So mm. Uh, but there's a lot less tolerance. Like if I was to uh, jump on a Ender 3 and start 3D printing myself a Glock in the UK, I would find my door kicked in by counterterrorism. <laughs> I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So a uh, little bit different. You can't quite have uh, the same sort of hobbies that I do over there without uh, spending a lot of time behind bars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and you always hear people talking like, around elections they're like oh i'm just gonna leave this fucking country and oh go, i love it go somewhere else it's like be my guest <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, like so you you will find the conditions are much the same everywhere there's just yeah. there's just different window dressing i mean mm-hmm. like canada is pretty fucking fascist australia Dude, pretty fucking I mean, fascist. You, you could not like you couldn't leave canada no. for a while i mean they like wouldn't let you leave it's like crazy i heard about a guy who him and his girlfriend like were moving to the states when all the lockdowns started they were gonna gonna move and they'd like already bought a house in florida i think they had dual citizen you know citizenship or at the very least they had you know they had their documents in order yeah and they ended up having to having to charter a helicopter because not that they were barred from leaving per se it was not illegal to leave the country but they could not cross the border in a car their stuff could pass in a semi truck but they could not pass in a car so they had to fucking get in in a helicopter that's terrifying it's like like, fleeing a fucking falling soviet nation or something like oh my god i'm just trying to i'm just trying to u-haul my shit to my new house 
it you has to be over a border. You know something's fucked when they won't let you leave, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's not a good sign. Like, democracy's <laughs> winning as, yeah. uh, as a guy's like, not today, ma'am. Go yeah. return to your home. You know, it's funny, something I was thinking about when you uh, were talking about that that experience as a kid, like, with the cop in your house interviewing, interviewing, a, you know, a, as a 10-year-old, you're getting interrogated. Yeah. Over um, here, they'd be like, happy birthday, son. Right? Like, I have <laughs> a few of those, I have a few of those memories, you know, despite having been raised in fucking Indiana, like, a pretty free state. Um, you know, I can think of, like, three off the top of my head when i was in elementary school i took my swiss army knife Mm. to school with me not thinking anything of it in fact i remember i was like a little boy scout we had a field trip to like a farm and i'm like bring my pocket knife i'm gonna bring my pocket knife (laughs) because it makes you're sense. Little, like, you're a little boy. You're like, I'll bring my pocket knife. Yeah. And like, maybe I'll whittle a stick, man. Yeah. And um, I remember getting to school and I like showed my friend, like, you know, <laughs> and the teacher saw and she like spazzed the fuck out and like took it away and like gave it to the fucking principal and shit. And my mom had to come in to get it. And I felt like a fucking criminal. Like, yeah. I felt, I felt guilty. And, um, Years fucking later, high school, right? They bring the drug dogs around. <laughs> and I was a good little Christian, you know, boy. I had no drugs. I never even smoked pot at this point, right? They fucking made me smoke pot by doing this shit, you know? <laughs> they, they, the dog like hit my car or whatever. And, uh, for whatever reason. And, so they searched, they had to pull me out of class. They searched me top to bottom. Uh, they found like a lighter in my, in my truck and they fucking gave me a hard time about it. Like, Oh, what do you need this for? Oh my God. Like, Starting so fires, like, motherfucker. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, I don't know, like me and my friends have a bonfire every goddamn weekend. Like there's <laughs> nothing else to do in this place, you know? And, uh, and then the last one, man, when I was in college, on the 4th of fucking July, no, nonetheless, me and my buddy go paddle a canoe in the local reservoir. We get pulled over by the boat police because our fucking tags are out of date, right? We borrowed the canoe. I, I didn't know you needed fucking permits on a goddamn canoe, right? They pull us over and they want to see our life jackets. And I'm like... I actually, we did have a life jacket, right? Cause why not? Like, I remember almost not even bringing the one and, uh, and they're like, Ooh, that's a problem. You know, oh, you know, the DNR, they're all fucking oh hot God. trot. They're armed to the goddamn teeth. They look like GI motherfucking Joe's <laughs> and, uh, and they slapped us with like a $170 ticket. Jesus. For paddling a canoe without life jackets. <laughs> 10 feet from the... I, I literally looked him in the face. I said, you know, we're like fucking 10 feet from the shore. <laughs> like, I swam in high school. Like, I swam for competitively. Like, I'm like, dude... It's I could for probably, your own safety, son. I, I could probably stand in the water right now, bucko. I'm like, fuck y'all. <laughs> so, they... You know, it's like these little things accumulate over time. And eventually you just get to the point where you're fed up. It's like, this is all just bullshit, you know? 
Dude, and, and they wonder why there was a never-ending supply of uh, of insurgents in Afghanistan. It's like, mm. you motherfuckers are occupiers. <laughs> and they do it on our soil, too. Yeah, like, yeah. Y'all think you're the heroes, but you're the bad guys, you know? Yeah. I mean, Christ. Stormtroopers, you know? Something as stupid as that could have escalated to one of you guys getting shot in your canoe. (laughs) Especially, maybe not when you were kids, but nowadays, some guy goes fumbling around in his fanny pack. Some guy too jumpy. Boat patrol. You know what I did? I kept my beer in my hand and my (laughs) cigarette in the other. I'm like, I'm not holding nothing. (laughs) Even though I did have weed. I shouldn't have given him attitude, like... For my own safety. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. But they were just asking for it, man. I remember the guy went through his whole his whole like speech about how you know he's like, Well, you know, you paid for your permits, that's no big deal. Um, but you know, this whole life jacket thing, it's just a it's a safety issue. There's <laughs> no room for um, you know, discretion here, blah, oh, blah, Christ. blah. And, and after he goes through this whole thing, he, he looks me in the eye and he could just see, I am sure my face, I can't hide my emotions. Never could. Like (laughs) I was just pissed and I'm just glaring at him. And he says, is that okay? I said, Uh. no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and the the little guy inside of you piloting is like, fuck's sake. Here we go. I'm like, I'm like, do I, do I have a choice, sir? Like, (laughs) You're asking me my opinion, so is do I have a do I have a say here? Because no, it's not fucking okay. Like I actually, you know what? I the last little word I got in there, I said I work really hard for my money. <laughs> insinuating, you know, I didn't fill in the last half. Insinuating that he doesn't, you know, because <laughs> clearly all you have to do is extort it from people. Yeah, no, it's got to be a pretty sweet gig to just go around robbing people in broad daylight with, with impunity. With impunity and the full faith and, you know, backing of the fucking government. Yeah. Hey, you, you give me attitude, son. I'll call oh. more of us. Like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck my life. Are you being uncooperative? You know, he was actually, he actually acted like a dog with his tail tucked between his legs. Because I think he fucking knew what he was doing was wrong, man. Like... I'm just following orders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck. This shit I, gets me worked up. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, well, we got the cop run in. Check. Well, and that's like, obviously, that's nothing. <laughs> that's nothing compared to people that get shot and killed for no reason. No, seriously. Police. Recently, right. we got a guy sitting in his car enjoying a fucking burger get laced up. I saw that video, man. Fucking I saw awful. that. Him and, and people people don't often mention his his girlfriend was sitting next to him and she she got some bullets too. Yeah, she didn't die, but she got shot. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like last I heard about him, he was on life support, but like the the guy was sitting in a fucking parking lot at night and was committing the great American crime of enjoying a cheeseburger. Yeah, and, and uh, you know the thin blue line between order and chaos came along and decided to uh, you know do some target practice to create some fucking chaos yeah yeah you know, yeah i mean that's the thing he like ripped the door open the the guy like, looks like, at him yeah, like, with a burger the- like right here like, what he's the like fuck are you doing it's almost like from what i saw it's almost like the guy's car was in gear and he was so startled that he like took his foot off the brake yeah and the and the car started to move and that's when the cop panicked and drew, you know drew his gun 
Am I am I remembering the right video? Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because he was trying to drive away. I mean, what the fuck else do you do? Like sit there and just receive a full mag of nine mil, or do you try and drive off and you know, like I will talk to you in court about this later if I make it. Like, well, it's almost like I don't know if that it all happened so fucking fast. I don't know if either of them even made a choice. <laughs> no, 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 it was just kind of reacting. It was all reaction. It was all just chaos because the cop fucking just walked up and opened the door like no tap 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 on the window like yeah that shit was fucked up man yeah it, it happens every day and you know that's yeah. a, a lot of people like oh you you want to go and move off to the countryside and start your little waco compounds like <laughs> yes yes sir because yeah. at, at least they have to have enough problem with me to to you know cut the SWAT team out to me to ruin my fucking day or life you know, like, uh, I mean, just, just even raising kids, like, in a city or in a, even in a suburban environment where, like, literal, like, you have no fucking clue who these people are. They mm. And w- whatever their intention, good or bad, they can act on it with, with impunity. And that that's no place to raise a kid. You mm. know, a, a neighborhood yeah. where a cop can just drive by and fucking ruin their life or end mm. it. Mm. Or, or fucking kidnap them for something that's, like, laughably nonsense. Well, you know, aside from the cops, just all the other motherfuckers that that don't abide by the non-aggression principle, you know, yeah. like I, you know, I, I'm grateful that my arrangement here, even though I'm technically in the city, I'm kind of on the outskirts and I'm in a pretty quiet neighborhood, even though there's a fucking ghetto like a mile away. And, uh, you know, and unfortunately, I'm starting to see homeless camps popping up closer and closer, but kind of like my arrangement is so fucking under the radar that nobody but my immediate neighbors really has any clue what I've got. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm in this little workshop, man. And for all anybody can tell there's, you know, a whole lot of nothing in here, but (laughs) I live in here. Like you wouldn't know somebody lived here. And that's to me a comfort. I call it living, living under the radar. But trust me when I say I'm still only half comfortable. I'm like, I I keep these motherfucking doors locked and I keep my <laughs> shit ready to rock, bro. Like, it, but, it's a shame, but that's uh, those are the circumstances we're under. Yeah. So I'm with you though. Like, ideally having that sort of village set up out in the country somewhere, and it's a it's a lofty fucking goal, you know. Yeah. Takes, I mean, takes a lot it, of willpower. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, Christ, resources alone, it, it is like, you know, it's not like everyone can rock up with half their paycheck and get started on that. Like, it, that is a serious investment, but I mean, the the big thing a lot of people kind of are shifting to with that is it's it's not just like a good move for you, it's, it's generational wealth, you know, having that kind of, like so many people, including myself and kind of my parents, a lot of people... um the thing of the last few decades was to kind of be a bit more mobile, you know, go and live in the city and make money and live kind of a simple, but like entertaining lifestyle. And now it's mm-hmm. like, God, they've kind of ripped the value out of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, and people starting to realize the, you know, the lack of value that that lifestyle has nowadays and what's been lost moving away from someone a bit more, uh, I don't know, grounded. You know, you, you could almost say traditional, like uh, I, I hesitate to because that, that has a lot of baggage with it. But yeah, it yeah. does. But truthfully, like a more traditional human lifestyle of of 
sitting on the rocking chair on the front porch instead Seriously. of fucking sitting in front of the television, you know, <laughs> like, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I enjoy the, I enjoy, like you said, sort of what the city has to offer. I like going to live concerts. I like going to the bar. Like I like people, you know, I'm a people yep. person, man. And I like to go out and party and shit. Uh, but truth be told, my favorite places that I've lived have been, you know, I've had these uh, unique opportunities to live in like, you could almost say sort of a forced, like uh, artificial kind of uh, simulated version of the village. Mm. So I worked on a guest ranch with about 50 people on staff. That's cool. In Colorado. So for three months, we all lived together. We worked together. We ate together. We played together. You know, the Wi-Fi sucked. There was no <laughs> there was no TV in the bunkhouse. There was like one TV in the basement of sort of one of the other communal houses, uh, dorm, whatever. And uh, it almost never got used. Occasionally, somebody's like, hey, we're going to watch whatever movie if you want to come. But usually we'd hang out, you know almost three to five nights a week people break out you know guitars and violins and banjos and and we just fucking hang and like the the funny thing was we weren't even getting drunk because it was like kind of a taboo thing you you weren't allowed to drink on you know on the ranch mm. and uh but still we just like not uh, we, we'd go off ranch and get fucked oh, yeah, up yeah, on yeah. it on occasion but like even on work nights, we would be hanging out on the front porch, singing and you know, dancing and having a good time, like doing some real human shit, doing some real fucking human shit. And it was just by nature of, you know, it's like the summer camp effect, you know, leave the distractions at home, come out here, you know, and actually connect. And uh, it was a similar thing working for the park service. Like I lived in the park housing area, had a great time. Because it actually felt authentic and human, even with the sort of artificial nature of our connection, like why everybody came there was sort of random. But once we're there, we're going to connect because that's what people do. That's what yeah. we're supposed to do, you know? Yeah, that's, um, you know, so many people when they hear about kind of this idea of individuality and autonomy and all that, they kind of picture hermits, you know, like every, every man a hermit living in their cave you know everyone for themselves and that's kind of the detracting argument but really it's kind of refocusing on what community is because every everyone always says you know this kind of democracy is community we're all plugged into each other and this is how we associate with each other and it's like this is not community we're fighting over a gun in the room like that's mm. that's no way to make friends you know and uh kind of refocusing on like why am i living with these neighbors like why why am I choosing this tribe to invest in and kind of live with and develop stuff with like that? That is something that hasn't really been considered for basically the last hundred years or so. We've, we've been doing everything we can to get away from it. It seems. And, and we paid the price. Yeah. Not that it was really a, an active choice. It was no. more like all these <laughs> temptations, all these conveniences, this entertainment drew us apart. Right just yeah. it, that's clear you know i was sitting and having a beer with the guy that lives across the street and 
he actually used to rent the shop that I'm living in now. And he was born. I don't know if he was literally born, but when he, when he was a kid, he lived in the house that he is now living in again as an old man with his wife, which is kind of cool. Right. And, uh, we were sitting drinking and he was just telling me stories about how the neighborhood used to be. And there's a little corner bar that's only open like two days a week now. It's kind of funny. I've actually yet, I have yet to go in there, but that used to be the happening spot. Right. And there used to be a block party every, every, you know, first Friday of the month during the summer or whatever. And it used to be this and it used to be that. And now, even though this tiny little neighborhood of like less than a hundred homes, um, you know, there's my estimation, like two thirds of the people just keep to themselves entirely. And the other third, like sort of knows each other a little bit, but there's no real community Yeah, it's- like there used to be, right? It's odd, you know, it's just kind of eroded and I don't know what led to that. If it's kind of like purposeful influence, if it's just the kind of the generational erosion, we've kind of lost touch with that kind of thing with technology, but I blame I television. I really do. <laughs> that, that, they've been, they've been blaming television for a long time now, but I yeah. guess no one, no one uh, took heed of that. Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah. When's, when's the game on? Yeah. I want to watch American Idol. Fuck the potluck. Fuck the potluck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. Uh, no, my, my girlfriend was, uh, she, she tells me about her dad, like, sitting there and watching NFL games instead of coming to the, the dinner table. It's like, fuck. I mean, if that, mm-hmm. that, that's very much kind of the last few generations kind of, you know, lost sight of values a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. So when people kind of say, kind of, decry anarchists for upsetting you know whatever this is like the The status quo yeah our traditional values now is like motherfucker would be a lot more traditional if if things went that way Mm -hmm. like people people getting back to kind of knowing a hundred good faces you know that are like in their in their community they actually know these people they see them often they're not just like oh yeah the the neighbor who walks outside of his dog in the, the green jacket you know i see him every three weeks uh don't know which house though you know <laughs> like yeah it, it's so fucking weird how we've decided to live on top of each other and have no connection for the most part and it's so yeah. hard to even get that kind of thing started in, in most built-up areas because no one really there's not too much of a demand for it unless you're really actively looking for it yeah yeah um you know it's funny when I was thinking about the fact that we were going to be talking earlier today, I came up with a line. And I'm like, Ooh, I should use that as like my intro. And then I forgot about it until just now. <laughs> uh, but it was like, you're, you're a guy where it's hard to tell if you're, if you're an extreme moderate or a moderate extremist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say I'm probably, I probably come cover up a lot of the extremeness with how polite I am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's good, man. You got to make it. You got to make it uh, palatable. Oh yeah, first impressions <laughs> are everything, and then you know, uh, second time we're talking, I'll hit someone with stuff that they're like, "Jesus fucking Christ, what?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, 
yeah, I really hope one of my guys figures out how to 3D print a launcher so we can hike with it and figure out how to train with that soon. And and they're like, oh, I, do you still want that information about how to you know grow tomatoes, dude? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's great too. That's great too. Yeah, yeah. Guns and gardens, man. I know Absolutely. I said that when I was on your show, but hey, but, I yeah. I love it. That's it's like <laughs> what else fucking matters, you know? That's what this country should be. <clears throat> I tell you what, um, I'm going to grab another beer. So if you don't mind giving me another second, I figure maybe we go another 20, 30 minutes if you're cool yeah, with that. I mean, I got, yeah, I I got some more enough time to maybe load the bong. I mean, hey. uh, peace, peace pipe. <laughs> Rock and roll. Well, if you're getting stoned, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a deal. <laughs> All, right. All right. Give me a sec. Yeah, yeah no worries. We're going to have like uh, four minutes of us shuffling around, grabbing glassware and stuff. <laughs> I will edit the dead air. <laughs> I don't do many edits, but I do cut out dead air. All right. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> I have definitely been on shows where they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll take a break real quick. And you just hear, I'll be listening to it like a few months later. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> you, you realize for like the last 30 seconds, nobody said something, but you. Yeah. Like, uh, what was the button? <laughs> and you hear like what is definitely a key click <laughs> and then the show ends yep 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 <laughs> i try to avoid those kind of major faux pas oh no know? no 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 i i i assumed better but just making yeah. sure yeah fuck man you know i i'm curious to maybe get your thoughts on like how the fuck are we gonna get these communities going like in a in a practical sense i'm sure that's something you've thought about oh absolutely so that's kind of where we're at with um you know we are not in the stage where there are a thousand you know lichtensteins all over europe as uh as harper would say you know we are very much in the stage where these ideas are becoming popular which is great but we're uh we're a ways off from execution because obviously it takes resources takes um takes known people which is you know for a lot of people kind of half the battle is finding people you want to you know this is a big investment like if you're deciding that you want to be neighbors with these people like you know are you are you at similar spots in life and Mm -hmm. should you be you know like would it be better to kind of have a mixed age range would it be better to have a group like you know say four or five different couples who are starting families to be doing this investing in one bit of land at the same time so right now a lot of people if they want to be doing something like this and homesteading is absolutely a viable way of doing this too if you don't want to do it with other people but um because there's there's even uh like the freedom cell network having homesteaders who are kind of within driving distance of each other that's a great way to do exactly this but without being you know neighbors or you could even do the, if you, you know, if you don't like all of this country boy talk, you could go the uh, uh, Konkin route, you know, his Anarcho village, where they had a bunch of apartments kind of in the same block, uh, owned by the same people, and a bunch of anarchist writers and activists all working together. You know, that's absolutely viable too. So really, it's... Uh, we're at a moment where these ideas have to be proliferated and this idea of building something that's parallel uh, has to become popular. And I think it is. I think a lot of people are seeing that the best way to decentralize is to 
make the space you know like you, you're not going to vote them out because you're playing their game mm-hmm. uh and you're not going to be standing on a heaping smoking pile of rubble saying we have defeated the state because there will always be some pocket of nastiness that crops up and is like yep we're it now you know whether that's government or corporate so we have to move and it's gonna take some time we have to move to a spot where people just abandon that kind of system mm-hmm. and uh so you know it's this is the stage where people are going to be hearing these ideas figuring out if that's for them and how possible it is and i'm I'm already seeing a lot of people mobilizing to buy land um to talk to friends and kind of you know figure out how many people they need what kind of people they need where they want it to be um and these are fucking big questions because they they can make or break how successful it is but uh definitely seeing movement on the ground a lot of people kind of gearing up for that probably by the end of the decade i would predict and it's a bold prediction we're gonna see like a handful of good examples from our community starting to crop up yeah um i think you know we kind of touched on it already but it's almost like there's a thousand different ways it could be done Mm -hmm. so the important thing is to not get hung up on like one idea or ideal version maybe of what it could be like everybody and their brother says oh we should all pitch in together on a piece of land yep yeah it's that's that's easy that's well that's easy coffee table talk or whatever it's a lot harder to get it done and to get it done with like the quote-unquote right people I think a lot of these sort of more left-wing style, like communes that failed, they failed because it's easy to say you're going to pull your part and do your share. Um, It's not so easy to actually follow through. Yeah. And so I think like, I I was just going to say, I think for this kind of thing to work, it has to be based on sort of organic, like anarcho capitalism, you know, agorism, like, and you almost can't plan it out. You almost have to let it happen um, over time, right? Like you're never going to get that like perfect group of 12 families that are all willing to pitch in $100,000. And, you know, that's just never going to fucking happen. Yeah. Like forget yeah. about it. What you need to do is start looking maybe like, okay, so like this region kind of already has a culture of, self-reliance and freedom yeah somewhere like new hampshire would be a very easy spot i'm sure and you know just move there and like if you find a place where there's lots of old people right like this out in the country this is very common and i'm just being blunt it's like if these people are getting pretty fucking old (laughs) chances are they're not gonna you know they're not gonna be living in all these houses like you get one when you can and then so-and-so who you know who's looking for property when something opens up you're gonna let them know first like hey you know something something opened up down the road like go check it out and uh over time like i've i've heard of examples where this this is already happening where you might be on a stretch of road and you're the first person but within 15 years you've got seven or eight people that have kind of come there because you and some other folks have already 
established it as a hot spot. Um, so like I said, this kind of organic, um, fractal pattern that takes shape over time. I, I think the worst thing we can do is, uh, make it an idealistic, like utopian idea of we're going to, we're going to create the perfect little society on this 200 acre plot. Like, yeah, yeah. good luck, man. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think the big thing is unplugging from systems that are out of our control and, mm-hmm. However you manage to do that, that is going to be, like, if there is a culture where people aren't reliant on the state, where they where they start to look for, you know, solutions that actually work, and there is proof of concept of, like, you know, just a community that <clears throat> when someone can provide for someone else, and there doesn't need to be, like, bulky state involvement, and it's, you know it's completely uh you know a, a good exchange for the two of them that is going to be a a point where we start to see um people moving away from just you know plugging into the state and being like they will solve all of my problems for me and we, we saw at childerberg where people were you know people just providing like mm-hmm. people were just making it easy for others because it was a it was a community kind of atmosphere it wasn't just uh people knew what everyone was about people knew they were like kind of you know in the same spot and they uh kind of helped each other with what like from the small to the big things people were just like even business stuff people were like oh well that would be great we're both like-minded so there's already that trust let's maybe look into doing this together like Mm -hmm. a lot of networking and a lot of um yeah i mean the network is the biggest thing of all you know like creating a uh a way for people to I'm, I'm trying i'm trying to like solidify my thoughts here like uh like in a amish community or something it's not everyone is like the same skill set but because they're all like-minded they're very much plugged into the same the success of their community you know <clears throat> i talk a lot about kind of the principle of self-organization right um like that's how nature works and they're you know getting like into the ecological stuff like the idea of a community in ecology is simply any i mean i could look up the exact definition it's very simple it's basically any group of individuals from any number of species that are in connection Mm. right something to that effect and the definition of a ecological relationship is simply any two individuals of any species that interact, right? And so, like, if we over glamorize it or overthink it, we're gonna we're gonna misinterpret what community is. You don't necessarily like everybody in your community. You don't necessarily like do business with everybody in your community but you're doing business with somebody who's doing business with somebody and you and that, you know, a and C are still connected even if by, so if you think about it, it's so much broader. And like I said, just more organized or more organic, I should say, and self-organized. Everything Mm -hmm. is self-organizing in some way, except when the fucking central powers meddle with it. Well, yeah, I, I mean, 
Well, well, no, I mean, just in regular society, it's <clears throat> it's always preferable to you know be paid under the table or to pay someone under the table. You know, it's it's mutually beneficial when you cut out the state from from a transaction, and that is you know that is like a something basically everyone can understand. You know, like hey, can you pay me in cash? Kind of wink, wink. Yeah. And <laughs> when people start to understand that, but on a like a societal scale where it's like, hey, we're cutting out the inefficiency of like requesting they fix this thing for us and maybe get around to half asking it in six months after like a vote, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, the the bridge, um, you know, up the road broke and it's kind of limiting us being able to do business and trade with other communities around here. So instead of requesting someone be able to fix it for us how about we you know put our heads together and figure out for, for our benefit and get it done like that and and get that efficiency back <clears throat> you know we we were talking on your show about how to like sort of bridge these sort of isolated communities seemingly yeah. and bring them together I, um, I still remember every time i'm talking about it because i used to say cross contamination until you said cross pollination i was like pollination i was yeah. like that's i i'm glad the uh the gardener was like hey that, you know i know it sounds cool and toxic and like edgy but that that's a, a more positive word and i i keep that in mind well and if you want to like extrapolate out that metaphor when you cross pollinate it's combining the genetic material of different individuals right mm-hmm. There's self-pollination when it comes to like fruit-bearing trees. Some trees are self-fertile, okay? Others are not. But even a self-fertile tree is more productive when it gets cross-pollinated. You know, in permaculture, we say every lesson can be learned or every problem can be solved in the garden, right? This is one of them. It's like... I can I can self pollinate all day. This is not like a masturbation joke, even though I, <laughs> clearly I clear, clearly I'm a juvenile brain that goes there. But I can self pollinate with information, with books, with podcasts, with you know information. I can learn and learn and learn, but I'll never be as productive as if I cross pollinate what I know, what I can do with others, right? The, you know, in, in the trades, we say one plus one equals three. That's to say that two guys can get three times the work done. Mm. Similar principle. Um, I don't know, just a little tirade there, but it's like when it comes to community, we do need to try to connect these different groups, the gun guys and the, and the permaculture people. Yeah. You know, I went to a self-reliance festival <clears throat> and there's a lot of old people there just to put it bluntly there's some young folks but it's it's a lot of the old kind of homestead types man that's that's really that's real sad we got to get a lot more of our people out there that's what i'm saying man we got to get more like the young guys the young gals who are into this idea and have a lot to learn you know there's people that are going to this festival to learn stuff that even though they've been doing it for 20 years they could still learn more you know, if we're all talk as the next generation, you know, we're going to set up intentional communities. Yep. We're going to defend each other. Like we have to start going to not just the parties, not just the Childerbergs, 
you know, even well, though that... on, on top of that, just to just to cut in here, mm-hmm. also not just the uh, the CQB classes that are like 600, 800 bucks at a time. It's like, all right, you know, you've learned how to clear a few rooms. You can figure figure that out with some YouTube videos. You know, mm-hmm. th- thankfully to a few gr- good groups who've put those out there. But mm-hmm. like, you don't need to be spending all your time doing all this tactical shit. Like, if you've if you're spending thousands on that shit and then no time on food security, right. like that that's insane to me but uh yeah it's about time and and this is why we're talking about this kind of stuff is that cross-pollination of of guys being like oh self-reliance fest you know like i'm i i've I've got some good time in at the range and doing field practice and shit maybe maybe i should learn some stuff that can like truly sustain me beyond my one nightmare scenario of being assaulted you know yeah yeah well, and it's not just food security, it's, you know, energy, it's water, it's mm. it, physical security. I mean, there were, there were people there representing a company that does tactical training. So oh, that's, that's, a part, that's a part of the community already, but it's not, like I said, I just that, that festival in particular, I would love to see more and more young folks coming. Um, Whereabouts is it? It's in Tennessee. And I'm sure there's similar stuff. I mean, there's the back to the land festival. There's, there's different, different ones across the country, but, um, that's where we can, I mean, again, I'll just be, I'll be blunt. Like there are old people with property who need help. And if, if it is seemingly beyond your financial ability to own significant land there's this kind of other route where you can potentially inherit somebody's land seriously like and there's actually specific like networks and ways of trying to make this more common there's people who are aging out they can't maintain their properties They'd like to live on the land until they die, but they need help taking care of it. My dad did this back in England. Didn't inherit the land, but he he got hunting access for like 20 years. I mean, there's beautiful property. Maybe you're not, maybe you're, maybe you're never going to own it legally, but maybe you can sort of earn some level of, of access. Oh exactly, yeah, I mean exactly it, like that. You, so. you get in with a family, and there's that trust and that understanding mm-hmm. that you're you you love the property, you appreciate it, you're a caretaker. I mean, my dad was like, he's very much what made me a country boy, and he got me into kind of that conservationist mindset. And I've seen him get access to beautiful parts of the world just by being like, yeah, I've got a truck, a chainsaw. You know, if you mm-hmm. ever need help, because you know, usually they'd be an old farmer who just want to be working in the fields, riding their tractor, but they've got all this woodland where you know they've got too many deer and they're getting out in their crop and stuff so he'd offer pest control and then you know land clearing services and we would have uh firewood for like you know three winters at a time from clearing trees and uh hunting access my whole life i've never never talked about this on a podcast oddly but Hmm. no it that's that is a genius way to kind of and then you know if landowners will usually have all the know about land going for sale around them and friends who might be willing to sell and or even or, selling part of their plot as they age. That's what I was going to say. Maybe yeah, they'll yeah. sell you the back 10, you know, like, yeah. yeah. And that, that is a fantastic way to get into places that are otherwise kind of landlocked and hushed away and probably going to fall into, you know, either 
inherited and sold off potentially to corporate or state interests and then gone fucking forever when when bill mm-hmm. gates buys it up <laughs> tons of tons of examples of big big tracts of farmland around where i grew up you know old man farmer you know kicks the bucket the kids decide to sell it off and split the money you know yeah and it turns into a fucking like neighborhood it turns into a subdivision or it just turns into corporate owned farmland and uh man it's a sad story because even depraved you know depraved that's not the word but uh impoverished tracts of land something that's been a cornfield for 20 something years you know if not 100 years you can take that and improve it you know if if you can if you can get it for the right price quote unquote whether that's occupying it and managing it for someone else or what whatever it is there's other ways of doing this than 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 having to buy you know a big homestead and going into debt over your ears like if you're willing to live out of a decent little travel trailer and work you know two days a week for somebody and then you know have your other job like you can you can live the way humans are meant to live without having that deed on the on the property. Yeah, I mean, th- there's yeah. so many ways to do it. You know, like that. There's people. There's so many different arrangements. The uh, the mo- that, that sounds really fucking dastardly, doesn't it? <laughs> there are many different arrangements. You're gonna end up being some guy's uh, little boy toy while you're uh, you're enjoying his fifty acres. <laughs> okay, you say that, man. Okay, this Yo, is something- let me tell you about my youth. No, I mean, this is something I haven't really discussed much, but for a while, for uh, less than a year, but al- almost a year, um, I lived on a property where I, that was exactly it. I was the caretaker. I had to mow, you know, mow the grass, trim the shrubs, you know, do the general upkeep, and I was given access to a garden, right? Mm. And as far as the arrangement was that I understood was the garden was mine as long as the homeowner could eat from it. Mm. But it was a big garden and my hope was to make back what I put into it plus feed myself plus feed them. You know, mm. I wasn't I wasn't expecting to make a lot of money or anything, but I put a couple thousand dollars worth of resources into setting it up and I started selling some basil to the local, uh, you know, pizza joint and a little bit of this, a little bit of that, trying to recoup my costs. And all of a sudden the guy, you know, starts saying, you know, where's my cut? You're selling, you're selling like, where's my money? And And I'm like, that wasn't the deal, man. Like I'm, I'm putting in all the work you're, you're enjoying the benefits of having this beautiful, you know, plethora of food and I'm just trying to make back what I spent. And it was just one uh, part of his and my tension, but he was kind of a creepy individual in certain mm-hmm. regards. Um, I almost think borderline like uh, sociopathic or something like very manipulative, very weird, like cadence and like almost hypnotic type of speech you know like just everything and he he was a very rich 
by strange means kind of guy. Single, questionable sexuality. Um, and there were just many moments where I felt very uneasy in his presence. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to insinuate anything beyond that. He just made me uneasy. Damn. And the the straw that broke the camel's back, I was smoking so much fucking weed because I was stressed out living on his property. <laughs> like literally. Were you he, growing it? No, I was buying it, man. And I was just like, I like I was just getting so stoned to like just try to like I don't know. It was probably a, yeah, it, I, <laughs> it didn't really help, but you know, maybe it did, maybe I don't know. Maybe it didn't, but it was almost like this level of paranoia grew because him and I were not getting along and he gave me this uneasy vibe and a neighbor actually drove by and passed right through a big cloud of my fucking weed smoke and, <laughs> and called the sheriff. Oh my fucking Christ. And, you know, I almost bro secretly. I was, it was stressed me out. Don't get me wrong, but secretly I was like, thank you. Thank you. God. I'm like, this is my excuse to just get the fuck out of here, <laughs> you know, without bailing on my obligations. And because he he basically at that point wanted me gone. Damn. And I'm just like, yep, peace. I left that garden like halfway through the season, you know, kind of sucked. But sometimes you, you got to be careful who you who you get into these. Oh, that, that's something I I was gonna get into. So that's that's a hell of a way to to get that point across. But um, right. No, I it very much has to be with the right people, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, so you, have you ever seen uh, ic.org? I see so, like I, the two letters or yeah, like in, Indigo Charlie. So okay, um, ic.org. Um, it. It's uh, intentionalcommunity.org, effectively. And okay. so it's really interesting. You can look up all sorts of uh, different communities of like all different kind of ideologies and backgrounds and stuff. It is fucking fascinating. You can see them all over the states and they're usually looking for like more members or like a certain type of, you know, whatever it might be. And mm-hmm. so it goes from like, you know, the very libertarian kind of like prepper sorts, like people trying to do... Um, you know, a, a homestead kind of community do like a, a land share. You come in and, Hey, we're looking for 12 families to invest, you know, hundred grand, whatever it might be yeah, kind, right, of, kind right. of deal all the way to like, Hey, we're free love for, uh, for Zaza. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and yeah. we're looking for people who just want to come and go and like, you know, here are our rules. It's, uh-huh. it's so fucking interesting, but, uh, and, and then you've also got like even communes, like full scale, you know, propertyless, like mm-hmm. that they're out there giving it Lutists. a go. Yeah, yeah no, you absolutely. name it, you, you name There's it. Freaks yeah. and geeks of every description, from right. from the very kind of conservative and religious types to uh, to out there <laughs> naked hippies painting sigils on each other kind of mm-hmm. vibes. But um, no, so there's that, and then freedomcells.org too. Personally, I haven't like really delved in as a member yet, so I can't speak too much for them. But for anyone who might be a little bit closer along the way to uh, maybe getting into an intentional community, starting one, or say you're a rancher who maybe maybe you're a slightly older listener and you're like, I've got some land, kind of a bitch to take care of it all myself. Wouldn't mind having some like-minded people, you know, living on the other side, uh, you know, doing their thing and helping me take care of the place. 
uh, or whatever. You know, there's so many ways to do this from, mm. you know, like an share splitting an acre garden between like locally between four apartments or whatever, all the way to like a full blown urban or rural anarcho village or whatever the fuck your persuasion is, you know, it, mm. that's what really fascinates me about this message is it's the first time I've been talking about something. I, I guess gun rights is a bit more universal than just, you know, our little black flag waving space. But um, this is something that you can really like, I don't care what the fuck you're into. Like if <laughs> basically we, we have some exceptions, but like, uh, you know, however you want to organize yourself, if you are trying to decentralize and kind of take back some autonomy power to you. And uh, so this intentional community message, hopefully it's something that resonates with a lot of people. And I think it is. But uh, I don't know. It's fascinating to see what people do with it uh, when they have some space and kind of a a chance to redetermine what their purpose is, like living with people. <clears throat> yeah, they've tried to like. Um, there's a lot of words they've tried to fucking delete, right? Some 1984 shit, Fahrenheit 451, whatever. But they've tried to delete the word tribe. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I Most people, when they say that, you know, the you're kind of meant to conjure up kind of neo-Nazi, pagan, like supremacist kind of shit, right? Well, it, it goes back further than that. It's like the the tribal man was was primitive, was you know, a oh, savage, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Going back to all that, like tribal to be tribal i think there's nothing fucking wrong with tribalism no. as long as it's not used as an excuse to commit genocide right? <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean like it can be used for that idea of the other when we talk about tribalism but there's also like finding your tribe is the most fucking welcoming thing a person mm -hmm. can do and it doesn't have to be like this hyper exclusionary thing but some people you just click with more than others some people you know like when we were out at childerberg we're like oh wow like i don't have really any disagreements beyond like minutia with these people like we're just vibing we're all on a level we understand each other because you found your tribe you know well, it's and almost like um because we i almost described it differently with childerberg um mm. where it's like because we don't disagree on the minutiae because we agree on the minutiae. Mm. We can talk about much bigger. Oh, broader you things. mean beyond like politics and ideology? Yeah. No, yeah, it, it's it, it is like, a stupid small thing. Like how we associate with each other. It has to be this like all encompassing culture war kind of deal when it should just mm -hmm. be like a, yeah, this is how we behave around each other and we, it works for us. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I wish it was as easy as like just snapping a finger, you know, like in terms of this whole like finding your tribe, building your community. It's getting easier. Like, Nowadays, you just have to search. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And that can get to you a degree. long way. You know, I actually had John Bush, um, the, the guy that made Freedom Cells. Oh, nice. <clears throat> he's a real interesting cat and he's this is his like whole thing like trying to wake people up and and get people connected and uh freedom cells is a good plug like i've i've signed up i have not used it a whole lot but it's a really it's a burgeoning kind of thing but if you have people in your area that are on there and they're active 
Um, getting plugged in with them is a great idea. I I think you do have to break beyond the purely online connection. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good filter. And like regional groups is just obviously, um, it's, it's, it's got its, its practical purpose as much as it's great to know, like I could pack up my truck and I've got people that I could go to, you know, jump around, whatever. That's only so good as the gas. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like what if I have to walk? Yeah. 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 I mean, what if you need to kind of gather yourselves and figure things out after like a major catastrophe or something i mean Mm -hmm. do you want people who are just randoms kind of flowing in and kind of figuring out or do you want people who you kind of understand and you know you can make things work with and all these themes and more are in my brand new novel hey duke 2029 (laughs) available on amazon very nice very nice (laughs) my my personal plug it's my own show i can do what i want Fuck yeah, man. Why not? <laughs> no, I, I love that. I've been speaking to, uh, I feel like a lot of anarchists, not, not a lot, but like all my favorite people have been uh, kind of leaning into that Heinlein thing of putting down some fiction. Because it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, we, you know, reality is kind of a little bit in our face right now. And there's some lessons that need to be extrapolated. But uh I don't know. People are a little bit emotional about reality right now. So fiction might be a better medium. I think art, man, art of whatever kind. um, It's an emotional fucking spiritual battlefield right now, man. Yep. And I think expressing yourself through art is, is a powerful way to fight. You know, it's like I was trying, you know, I wasn't trying too hard to come up with like a show title or a, main theme when it came to talking to you i figured we'd just talk about whatever um but i was almost thinking about like the online warrior right <laughs> something like that oh um, christ that makes me sound like a fucking troll or something or like well, a keyboard warrior <laughs> keyboard warrior i mean yeah i guess it is kind of almost like art that that's already a cliche um but it's true where it's like this, this is a battle of minds and souls and whether that's writing a paperback novel or hosting a podcast or fucking starting a garden, you know, it's like, it's, it's not, we're not online warriors, but it's almost like, uh, well, I don't it, know. It, spirit, spirit shit, man. Fucking we're culture warriors and that sounds terrible too there's no good <laughs> word for it well it, it's no. it, it's a uh, it's an, it is an information war i think that's the most accurate yeah. term yeah. like uh yeah. something i talk about with someone else who's kind of in this odd black flag slash prepper slash tactic space is uh reaper one one on instagram and i i talk with him about this kind of stuff and uh the information war is very much kind of it, it's what you would call fifth generational warfare. You know, it's not just, you know, guns and trenches and bombs and air support. It's, it's, you know, in your own home, 
like some form of of warfare is being committed against you and we i mean they've been doing that since you know the 60s with the cia all the psyops and mm-hmm. i mean far far before that even you know right. there's always there's always been misinformation campaigns and all sorts of fuckery committed on civilians to make them more tameable or in times of war more excited to go and fight an enemy you know all sorts of shit like that is being used to control us on a daily basis so it is you know a form of warfare and if you're if you're a peace guy like like we try to be it's it's fucked up to be in that but there's no escaping it it's it's being committed against you in every way you know from the patriot act to over policing and all the rest of it <clears throat> I, I agree and it's kind of like, a really heavy note right at the end <laughs> no no it's good it's good but i i'm actually gonna push back just a hair it's part Do of it. me wanted to just joke about like damn it alex jones why'd you have to like why'd you have to brand like the thing so fucking right on the nose <laughs> but i actually don't think information is necessarily the end all be all mm. of the battle like maybe it's more a you know it's a psyop like you are not afraid to use the word propaganda, right? Maybe what we're trying to do is a psyop, the counter psyop <laughs> to their psyop, man. Their psyop is to make us stupid, fat, dependent, unhealthy motherfuckers yes, that are yes. disconnected and vulnerable and need the titty of government, right? No fighting spirit. And and psychologically, they wage that war with programming, with propaganda, with bad food. So it's like what we're doing is is a psychological war. It's 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 a psyop for hope. Psyop for hope, man. Psyop for authentic humanity. Yeah, it's like we have been we've been made into very tame tax cattle and that's pretty terrifying. Yeah. I, I think when people kind of wake up and realize how fragile things are, it's like, Oh wait, we're not like in this safe little cocoon protected by our government. Like you are in charge of your safety on a daily basis <laughs> yeah. and, and everything that comes with it from, you know, your shelter, your food and you know, everything like you, you could lose it like that. And daddy government's not going to help. And when you realize that, like you can either numb yourself to it and plug in and go back in the pod, or you can really like wise the fuck up and do what's best for you as much as you can and try and take charge. Fucking a man. <laughs> yep. That's, that's the deal. <laughs> Plain as fucking day, man. Hey, I, you know, it's almost like we have to say it a hundred different ways to keep getting it said. I have to say it to myself, dude. but no that's probably a really good place to kind of wrap it up man i think like yeah instead of us just trying to be big macho guys with big guns and you know not that i'm you know let's let's do that too let's be macho let's fucking pump up let's get strong let's (laughs) you know let's be warriors but it's it's psychological man like we need to be philosophy you know Warrior poets, warriors yep. in the garden, blah, Thinking. blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, man, I do. I really appreciate you coming on. Like any last plugs, any last thoughts? 
uh oh, well it was yeah. a pleasure as always man i'm i'm really glad yeah. that we uh we will we'll definitely find some more time to sit and chat at the next childerberg but i'm glad mm -hmm. that we connected because very like-minded people and and kind of that that yin and yang with the warrior warrior in the garden stuff but uh mm -hmm. very much heart in the same place so always great talking to you but uh well i was just gonna say i mean it's it's a different but similar conversation than what we had on your show. So Flipside. I'll say anybody that is listening to this who has not listened to BR Hates the Feds should go listen to his show. Maybe check out our chat we had a couple months ago. Um, but yeah, man, it really was a good time as always. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's always fun, man. And uh, yeah, needed to kick off the dust. I haven't recorded a show in a few weeks now everyone's been uh been harassing me but i've been having hey. life shit so this has been a good way to jump back in um no. i do have one last plug go ahead all right so uh, i i need to be doing more on this but uh i i also do kind of a online newsletter substack thing it's kind of anarchist news and culture more on the culture side because news is kind of dreary you know it's it, yeah. it's better to see what our people are up to and kind of associated stuff so uh, that's the anarch anarchist without the ist dot substack dot com and yeah. it's free to subscribe because i haven't got a paid tier yet oh my paypal got fucking cancelled <laughs> did it really <laughs> oh my god 10 bucks which no one's ever done before i was like oh wow thanks and the same minute paypal i got an automated email saying i was banned i was like oh wow oh, okay cool I should probably just prepare for that day. Oh, dude. Um, yeah, I, I need to figure out an uh, alternate now. I mean, yeah. such a bitch. Fucking 2020, I'm like, oh, man. Like, the looks like they're uh, knocking on people's doors for Instagram. And 2022, people are, like, shutting down my my uh, banking shit. Like, I'm getting the Kanye treatment. It's bullshit. Isn't that fucked? You're like, <laughs> how, how the fuck am I going to get paid, man? Yeah, like, I'm like, oh. That's the, oh, they're oh, really bitch. trying. They're pushing us, man. They're pushing us. Fuck them. Uh, don't get me worked up now. We're trying to sign <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gotta love it. Fuck them, right. man. Fuck <laughs> there you go. That's a good spot. Well, yeah, check out, check out. So it, say the, uh, well, you said it. They can hear it. The, the anarch.substack. Dot com. Yep. And com. Inst Instagram okay. is uh, at BR Bravo Romeo. Um, BR dot the dot anarch. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you'll Hell find yeah. most of my ramblings and photography about uh, going out in the field and training with uh, some good lads. Yep. The hippie militia. The greater hippie militia. Really. There you go. All right, brother. Well, We'll hit the we'll hit the stop and then I'll I'll say goodbye to you after the fact. But uh, I do I do appreciate it, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. We'll like you said we'll see each other at Childerberg again. Absolutely, so man. We'll we'll do maybe some collaboration there this time around. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hell yeah. Much love, guys. If you have enjoyed this episode of the Easy Peasy Podcast, please go to easypeasygardens.com slash donate thanks for listening